0: life I'm your host Karthik here with my co-host Nathan what's good Nathan
1: what's up Karthik we're uh you know we were supposed to record uh, last night um, right after the trade deadline for instant reactions but you know the action was so scintillating it took us 24 hours to formulate our PJ Washington takes, so we had to wait <laughs> a day and you know just just calm our bodies and minds down just a little bit after you know what we witnessed so that's why we're here Friday Friday evening. Uh, to, to review all that happened uh, yesterday and really this week. Too much to process, yeah. No, I actually needed a day just
0: to, you know, stop banging my head against the wall for the Kings inactive uh, inactivity during the deadline. So I needed some time to kind of just decompress <laughs> and now we can... Fully get
1: into well, it. Wizards fans were also really upset. They felt like they felt like the one guy who had like a reasonable chance to stick around, Gafford, because he was young and on a good contract, was the one that was traded for really uninspiring first rounder. Meanwhile, they you know kept Tyus Jones, kept Cal Kuzma, kept DeLon Wright, all these dudes who have no future with us. Uh, while there's probably trades to be made, so I'm with you there. I think that's a yeah, good place what, to start, what actually. With DeLon Wright, who knows? I mean, this is like this is always what I think is kind of funny. And Maybe fans don't do a good enough job appreciating this, right? So what I was thinking a little bit about is like, you know, when when teams let guys walk. So like the most recent like famous example is Fred VanVleet last year with Toronto, where Toronto's season was going nowhere. He was an upcoming free agent. There was already rumors he was probably going to leave and they didn't move him, right? And so it got me thinking like, yes, fans were like, why would you just not accept something over nothing? But I also think there's a little bit of a long game approach to it, right? Where GMs are like, "Well, I'm not going to take 50 cents on the dollar because then in future trades, everyone's just going to think that they can take me for yep. a ride. I'm going to get lowballed all day long." And I wonder how much of that is there. Like, we, the Wizards were reportedly have to turn ha, turn down four first, four second rounders, excuse me, for Tyus Jones. And I think I would have done the same. But now, if I'm like, "Well, now we just have him. He's an upcoming free agent." I don't know how to process like. The risk of like, yeah, you, may, you just may he may just walk for nothing versus like setting the floor below, you know, where you think he was worth because that'll come back to bite you potentially.
0: Yeah, there's a potential reputational damage, but there's also just, um, I don't know. Sometimes these guys are holding out for a better deal all the way till the end, and it doesn't come, and you can't just go back to what you had before, right? So it's a little bit of a waiting game, you know. Big picture, before we get into the individual trades, do you think think this is the right time? Do you think there are better ways to, uh, I don't know, are there things we need to change about the trade deadline or the way this whole thing goes down?
1: I think that at the end of the day, like it, I'm not too worried about the timing. I know some people have had issues with being right in Super Bowl week. So it gets like kind of buried in terms of the news cycle. That's fine, right? Like make it the week between the Super Bowl or whatever. Timing wise, I think what what you actually probably would want to do is move it back. Um, because now with the play-in tournament, there's so many teams that are in the mix for longer that there's still teams like Chicago famously yesterday, like was like, Yeah, we're still going for it. And you know, obviously a lot of teams on the fringe like Utah traded uh Olenek, but they didn't really move Clarkson or Sexton or even Market or anything like that, right? Golden State decided not to trade a Wiggins, trade a clay, whatever. So I do think If you move it back, the benefit is more teams will know which camp they sit in. The one that's like has a chance for the playoffs or the one that's looking at the lottery. The downside then is like if there are any major splash trades, you're talking about 20 games with their new team. And it's kind of a mess. And it's like ugly basketball down the stretch trying to integrate. So I kind of just like it where it is, like whatever 50 game mark, the exact timing, avoiding the Super Bowl makes sense. But I feel like that's an easy fix. What do you think? Do you think it's a big deal? I actually I go the other camp. I think they should move it up. I think make it at like the halfway point of the
0: season, 40 games in. Now here's the logic behind that teams. You're right. The, the downside of that is teams don't know where they stand. They don't know if they're contending yet. Maybe they should go for the play-in. at the same time. I feel like you got you give guys a better chance to acclimate. And so maybe teams are more willing to pull the trigger because it could save the season. Now, like a team that's yeah. already, you know, like look at the Sixers. I mean, they did make a trade for buddy heel, but, um, Ten games ago, fifteen games ago, they may be even more aggressive because they're getting this amazing season from Embiid, Maxi. Right. So, in some ways, it encourages people to trade because you have more of a runway with that star you get. You know, you're not just getting them for twenty games. So,
1: yeah, yeah, I think that's right. And like the the interesting thing is. Yeah, I guess because, like, if you take the Sixers example, they traded for heel, they're just trying to get scoring, and beat actually went down, right? So, But if he was still playing, would they have made a bigger splash move? I'm curious, because now I wonder if they were kind of hedging a little bit, which is, like, maybe he doesn't come back healthy. Are we going to really give up assets? Because if he's not healthy, they can't make a run. So that's the other thing. I guess you have more information the later it is. But the other big thing that, like, I don't think this is much timing-based. Like, I don't feel like I hear enough people talking about this, but the new CBA, which is intended to be really punitive to the, like, hyper spenders the clippers the warriors the sons of the world has a massive residual effect on everybody else in the league the second apron rules are really really uh, damaging in terms of your ability to make trades and that's fine in terms of like okay we don't want the warriors to keep loading up but there's another team on the other end of that right so it, that is going to naturally create less activity because if you're a second apron team you're not allowed to aggregate salaries so what does that mean you have to go one to one so if you're trying to trade for a 40 million dollar player you have to send out a 40 million dollar player Yep. it's very unlikely that they're going to have a $40 million player mm-hmm. who's just they're willing to give up on and is enticing enough for that other team to take on. Right. So the perfect example, just making a players, but let's say the Warriors wanted to trade, you know, Clay Thompson for Trey young, obviously that wouldn't happen, but I'm just talking about like players that the, the 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 Hawks would never value Clay Thompson as someone who could be the centerpiece of a Trey young trade, but that's kind of how it has to work. Cause they can't be like, okay, here's Kuminga, here's Moody, here's Wiggins, all this stuff, it's adding up. And so, I think that has a pretty big effect and it's going to have a bigger effect going forward. And then the other thing is like a lot of times guys get traded to be bought out to then go sign with the contender. Well, there's guess what? Most of the contenders are the ones who are the second apron teams. They're not allowed to sign a buyout guy who's making over the mid-level exception. And so you have these trades that don't necessarily consummate. Like Spencer Dinwiddie is interesting because he would have fit that criteria. And the two teams that are rumored to get him buck, sorry, the, um, the Lakers and the Mavericks are not second apron teams, but he would actually make a lot of sense on some of those like really big spenders, like a backup for the Clippers or backup for the Warriors or whatever. And they just like out of the running. So I think that's another big piece that I get why they did it, but it feels like it's going to also kind of limit mobility in a way they don't, I don't think is like the intended outcome here.
0: Yeah. I think that's what's happening. And I think, I think it's going to take GM some time to kind of really figure out what their strategy now is with, with all the new implications. Yeah. Uh, And, and it's better to be, I think, hold back this trade deadline and and preserve future flexibility. I think that's what most teams are doing. Another, here's a crazy idea. This is a half-baked idea like Kevin Wilds does. Um, What if the trade deadline, it was a week, right? Let's say it's this week. But what if no one knows the actual time? Like it's not like Thursday at (laughs) noon or or 3 p.m. Eastern. What if it's like it gets announced? It could get announced at any point during the week. And then you have a one hour window until it closes. Now, let me tell you why I'm even suggesting this crazy idea. I I feel like the problem with the trade deadline, it's just human behavior, right? You're gonna hold out to the very end because it's classic negotiations. Like there's no need to compromise or settle earlier when you you can push it to the very end and squeeze a team and see what you can get. But I think what happens in that situation is because there's a fixed deadline, Everyone's waiting to that last minute and then nothing gets settled. If you create a whole week and say it could happen at any point, there's an incentive to get those deals done a little bit earlier Mm. uh, because you can't wait. And sure, maybe there's last minute things happen. That's why you give a one hour buffer um, when it does get announced. So randomly, Adam Silver can be like on a Tuesday at 6 p.m. Be like, hey, trade deadline is over in an hour. I kind of like
1: this because you're always talking. You're always waiting for it. So is it that you know which week it'll be? You know the week and you know that it'll be between business hours, whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I kind of like that. I mean, I feel like the problem is nothing would end up getting done because this is, I mean, dude, like we're GMs, like we play fantasy football. Like how much are you spending time just going back and forth and back and forth on like stupid ass trades that don't actually matter, but you just don't want to get the raw deal and get made fun of by the league? I feel like the NBA is that times a thousand. And so just the problem is it takes longer to hammer it out. But I guess to your point, if you know the week, you can kind of be talking about it for a while beforehand.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I, like I, mean, I haven't thought through this fully. I, I just think it. now we would hate it because we don't know when we should be on Twitter like hitting refresh, but.
1: Yeah, well, the last it. thing I'll say, and I think about just the overall macro situation, and I think there's a lot of just frustration because the trade deadline's so fun. It's like second most fun thing in terms of NBA after like, The free agency, like window when that starts, you know, forget the actual games and stuff. Those two are the best things. (laughs) But if you had a trade deadline where really big names like James Harden, Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, Marvin Bagley all switch teams at the deadline, (laughs) you would thought that was a big, you know, a big year, right? Like you'd be like, oh, wow, there's a lot of big time activity. The fact that those trades have already happened. Isn't a reflection on the fact that there was like no one trying to make moves. I just feel like teams went for it earlier, which is fine. Like that's kind of cool too. Cause then you get like the Knicks are, we'll talk about the Knicks here. They're, they're, they love the fact that they had Ananobi for all of January when they ripped off some ridiculous 15 and 2 stretch. So that's the other thing. It's just like the timing of some of these things weren't all exactly at Thursday at 3 p.m. But you know, they, that doesn't mean they didn't happen this year.
0: Shit, you can throw Harden in there. That happened way early, but yeah, it's exactly. worked out it for the Clippers. Six
1: six games into the season or something like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, you you're right. If you add those players in, it actually looks normal. But I think what people are reacting to is normally at the deadline we see big things happening. Um And when they get pushed earlier, it it doesn't have the same feel. But we're all, we're fiends for this stuff, right? Like, we're complaining about the fact that no big trades were being made right at the deadline. And then we also complain about the fact that there's too many players moving around in the end. I know. Trades being requested. That's a funny thing. We want it all. I don't, I don't know if there's a solve.
1: That's definitely true. Everyone's upset about player movement. Nobody's on one team. And then we're like, where the fuck are all the trades? Like, this doesn't make <laughs> sense. I think we like, like, the B-plus to A-minus level guys going. Like, DeJounte Murray is a dude who we don't care if he plays for five teams in his career. But we that's the level of name we like to see moved. Yeah. Siakou, not Durant. Probably, Yeah, exactly. Harden. Durant, Harden, Kyrie. Like, those dudes, like, obviously this hasn't happened, but like the Giannis, Luka, and B-level is the type that we're a little less uh, interested in because then it kind of breaks down the infrastructure of the league. And the other interesting yeah. thing, by the way, is like we had the first era of those Durant, Harden, Kyrie types that bitched and wine and Jimmy Butler, he's been on 14. You know, that kind of stuff. They've been all... Kawhi, Paul George, he's been on several teams. This next-gen hasn't done it yet. And I don't know if they will or won't. That's like the Jokic, Luka, Embiid, Giannis category. They're all onto their second contracts. Some of them have even signed their third contract, like Giannis uh, and Jokic. So at this point, none of them have asked out. Um, and the younger gen, I'd even throw Tatum in there because he's on his second deal, But the young, and he's about to sign his third deal this summer. I would be very shocked if he didn't. But the younger gen has not had the chance to. So we missed a generation of player movement, which is a good thing, I think, generally. But it's just been a while since we've seen like stars we care about actually complain. Like we're kind of done with the KD bitching. You know what I mean? No, you're right. I totally agree. You know, um,
0: you've heard my video game theory. Yes. But this is my my other theory is, hey, look, Kevin Durant, he's single.
1: Mm-hmm. Right.
0: Harden, single. Kawhi actually has a girlfriend or a wife now, but he's like this independent, free spirit. Kyrie, he's he's got a wife, I think, but free spirit individualistic <laughs> so you're either right.
1: single or you have a free spirit this is this uh um, messy framework we're coming up <laughs> yeah, with is,
0: these are the guys right but if, if you actually look at the young generation right like um lucas like married um
1: he just had a kid
0: a, he's got a kid what's his face um
1: tatum has he's the only person in fa- the league who's a father i think based on the yeah. time that his son gets like
0: so a lot of these guys have kids or they're settled down fox is married um
1: who, I knew you were going to say it. I think the whole theory is based around Foxes being married. I knew that that was coming.
0: <laughs> no, no, but anyways. I.
1: <laughs> but Jimmy Butler, I think, is single, by the way, to go into the other theory. There you go. Uh, no, I actually, actually, I don't know. I'm not sure about him.
0: This next generation, it goes along with video game theory, right? They, they're more likely to not – they don't need to be out in the clubs. They're happy at video games. They don't care about the market as much. They can get exposure anywhere. So I actually think – I don't think Luca. you know, everyone's talking about Luca. Maybe he goes – gets upset and goes to the Knicks. I don't see it as that big of a threat. Um, I don't see it that big of a threat with Giannis. I mean, Giannis is always holding it over Milwaukee, but it's not because he needs to be in a big market. It's just because he wants a winning team. So I, I totally agree with you. I think wow. we're phasing out a completely different
1: time. Giannis, and- Giannis is turning a little villainy of late. That's all. Oh, yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, I've and never we- been a big Giannis guy. So this is my but my it- time.
1: He he signed that extension, which was interesting because he's starting to throw his weight around in a way that is becoming a little Lebronish. Um, and at the end of the day, you're going to cater to whatever and anything Giannis asks. He brought them their first title since the '70s. Like he put up a 50 ball in the clinching game. Like whatever, he's basically built the new stadium is right is 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 entirely due to him. So you do whatever he asked for, including employing Thanasis for as many years as it takes. However, at some point, it's not about what they were willing to do. It's about when this whole thing breaks because they're just not good enough. And I'm actually worried the Bucks are kind of there right now, where Giannis has been a freak this season, truly living out his nickname. And they still aren't. I mean, yeah, they're top four in the East and they've beaten a lot of bad teams. But when push comes to shove, they get their ass kicked like all the time, you know. And I wonder how much of a fraction of it's like, yeah, like you've asked for all this stuff and they built this infrastructure, but now it's like you're at a different level than everyone else. I'm really curious to see how that one plays out for what it's worth.
0: Yeah. And Doc has not helped. I mean, they've had a brutal schedule, but he's not helped anything. Um, and that how was how could of the a...
1: schedule. Makers allow them to play a back to back in Utah. Just purely <laughs> just really thoughtless, senseless uh, on the behalf of the schedule makers.
0: Doc, man, he never, yeah, he, he's the one guy who will never be accountable for anything. I've never nope. heard anyone dodge accountability more than, than Doc Rivers.
1: Nope, absolutely not. Um, okay, so let's get into the actual transactions. Let's start with the Knicks. The Knicks are the NBA's favorite story. Who could have thought the number one media market in the country, one of the most famous franchises in the NBA, has turned into America's darling? But that's really where it is. It's like an underdog story with the freaking New York Knicks. Who have been a punching bag for years and years? Even their slight moments of relevancy, like Carmelo and Amare, in that era was like never had any real promise, and nobody really liked them all that much. Um, they've gone all in on Jalen Brunson, both as a city, the fan base, and, and the team, right? They've built this machine around him. You know, Julius Randle has had a great comeback season, made the All Star team again. OG Ananobi, Bojan Bogdanovic, and Alec Burks are in. Obviously, um, oh, Ananobi's been there for a while. They've been incredible with them. Sorry, I should say Precious Achua as well, who's been locking like multiple 40, point, 40 minute games of late. They've not given up a single first round pick to create this lineup. They've not given up any future cap flexibility. Um, they'll probably re sign OG, but he's a free agent. And, you know, if anything changes, they could move off of him. And I think it's been absolutely amazing what they've done. Um, it doesn't mean that they're going to go win the title or they're even the favorites to get out of the East. But you look at that team top to bottom, they have like no weakness now. Um, you could argue their biggest weakness is their three-time All-Star Julius Randle, right? Everybody else has a very defined role that they're going to play well. I would not want to play this team in the playoffs. I think they've just done an, an amazing job. And from what they've been over the years to this, where they're just like one of the smartest franchises in the league, it's like pretty bizarre to watch.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you if I told you at the beginning of the season they're going to acquire Bogdanovich and Ananobi without parting with any first-round picks and without parting with – um, you know, they gave up RJ Barrett and quickly for for Ananobi, but you know what? That trade is looking better and better for New York by the day. Yeah. Um, you know, quickly and Barrett haven't lit the world on fire in Toronto, and obviously they're on just on a serious tear with Ananobi before he got injured. So I, I love the move. Uh, this is just perfect team building. The big question with them, and it's not fair to them, but the big question is, do they have enough of that top-end star talent to push them past the Boston, um, Milwaukee even? I know Milwaukee looks terrible, and everyone's kind of penciling them out, but I still think that you you have to get through Milwaukee, you have to get through Boston, and Philly, not this year maybe, but next year.
1: Well, the thing about it that I think is really interesting is like, yeah, they have a gauntlet. This could be the year because you see the Milwaukee weakness. You see Philly with an Embiid injury and Cleveland is out there, but they beat Cleveland last year in the playoffs. They're going to have that. Um, Boston is Boston, right? Boston's the, the you know, they're the biggest threat in the East. And they're, as of now, I guess I would have to pick them and make it out of the East, even though I haven't loved what they have looked like in some of these marquee games. But the interesting thing about the Knicks is like they've gotten a lot better despite having a challenge of not wanting too many ball dominant guys. So they've gotten guys who can score without needing the ball in their hands. And that's really hard to do around Brunson and Randall who are going to possess a lot of the ball. And I think that's been the biggest revelation for them. It's not just good talent. It's not just not giving up assets. It's the right talent that could fit seamlessly.
0: Yeah, no, it really is the perfect team building exercise. Like given what they've had, um, they constructed this roster, which just- is, great I, I but ultimately um yeah I, it'll be very interesting to see the postseason the postseason will tell us just how close they are uh and and you know they're they're one I, they could easily be a conference finals team I, I don't yeah. I don't think anyone disputes that now uh do they have enough firepower in you know like as great as Jalen Brunson is can he be your number one going into the conference finals and the NBA Finals? I know that's a lazy way of looking at it. Well, no, small guards
1: get punished in the playoffs. We've seen it time and again.
0: So that, you know, but this is the next step they had to take. The next step was going from a first round fringe second round team to a team that can be bona fide conference champion uh, chip contenders or conference finals contenders. And that's what they are now. So,
1: well, it's it's funny because like Cleveland has absolutely lit the world on fire of late. And even though their schedule is really soft, it started to get a little harder and they're still beating teams they beat. Um, The Clippers the other night, they've had some really good wins. Cleveland and New York seem like these teams that are on a collision course somehow again, just like they played in round one last year when Cleveland won 51 games and the Knicks absolutely took their lunch, right? It was an embarrassment to Allen and Mobley and the way that they got just rocked on the glass. I really hope we see that series again because it's so much fun. I think I've picked the Knicks just because I feel like we've seen the formula to how to stop Donovan Mitchell and he's had his share of kind of playoff ups and downs, but yeah, like, would you really? I mean, if it was Nick's Bucks, gun to your head, maybe you take the Bucks because of the Giannis factor. But we've seen so many examples of Bucks playoff meltdowns over the years. Yeah. That aside from their one title run, everything else is starting to look like a pretty big indictment on on this Giannis core. And you know, everything. Okay, the title makes up for everything. I get it. But it's not like they're the Celtics or like they're they're the Warriors where they're repeatedly knocking on the door. They had one championship run, and everything else has been pretty sketchy, yeah. Um, Including getting blasted round one last year by Miami. So that's why I'm like, if I'm the Knicks, I'm not really sure I'm scared of anyone besides maybe Boston. So and Bogdanovich has big you know big playoff moments. He's he's been there. He's old. He's a veteran. I think it's just you know they have heart. They have uh, Divincenzo, the big man rotation. If they can get robinson back it's all there DiVincenzo's resurgence has been something incredible
0: right like yeah he's been killing he it. A, a good role player in, in golden state um nothing impressive and in sacramento he we had him for a bit he was ter- like absolutely terrible. terrible yeah and the fact that what i think he started a game recently i forgot his last game or two was 36 he had like 36 on some crazy shooting yeah um that has been such a big unlock for them as well. So they're just getting contributions across the board. The The shitty thing for them is there's a very real scenario. I think they can end up in the third seed, the way Milwaukee is kind of slipping. And the Heat can very well be in that sixth seed. And that is a... That's tough, you, yeah. That is a very tough first-round matchup. It's too early to look at these things, but... Um. That's a scenario, and that's a classic series, too. Knicks Heat, I think of 90s, Pat Riley, Jeff Van Gundy. Yeah. Uh, But,
1: yeah, so even a first round is not going to be an easy
0: out um,
1: for anyone. For sure, and, like, they originally had some goals of catching number two. The problem is they're a little bit of a mash unit right now, right? Like, Ananobi's out for three-plus weeks. Randall's out for maybe longer than that. Brunson tweaked his ankle, so who knows how much they're going to try to, like, be careful with him. Maybe it's like they don't really play him much to get to get to the All Star break, so he has like another week off. So, yeah, I mean, if you're if you're them, you almost maybe want to sit into that four or five matchup. The downside, of course, there is that you would draw Boston round two versus kind of putting them off further.
0: Yeah, yeah, but uh, if you're the Knicks, I guess you can't be um, standings. Yeah, yeah, watching. you're not exactly <laughs> like. like for the, it's unfortunate it. for them that Cleveland made that surge, right? Because yeah. if Cleveland hadn't. The two seed is very much in play for them, yeah. Um, and it still could be, but now they got to worry about Cleveland as well.
1: Um. Okay, so that's been a, f- a great story, and I'm really excited. You know, if there's one kind of weakness on this team, it's probably like wing isolation scoring, which is always seems to be what wins out in the playoffs, right? The Kawhis, the Tatum's, the KD's, the Lebrons of the world, like they dictate a lot of success in the yeah. playoffs. Yeah, they that's really- going to be Randall jacking up. Terrible exactly, shot. that's the problem. Randall. and then, you know, that's, I guess, one thing Bogdanovich can give them because he can create his own shot. Although he's probably, at this stage of his career, maybe more of a catch-and-shoot player. Yeah. He can put the ball on the floor a little bit. He can, but late-game situations, I don't know if you're
0: going, you're running your offense through Bogdanovich, right? But, yeah, he'll help, for sure. You know
1: he was randomly on that Wizards team, the 2017 team? That, I know. <laughs> and we was, like, he was, like, great, and we just, like, wouldn't play him, and we had this, like, killer small ball lineup with, like, him, Porter, Wall, Beal, and Gortat, and then I honestly, don't even know an Ubre. Honestly, you could have played those five together. Take Gortat off, and we just we were so fucking traditional. It drove me insane. Um, I just remember that that one specific year, two K.
0: Like you had so many good shoot. Like that team was so fun to play with because Wall could just beeline to the rim. You had shooters and Bogdanovich and Porter and Beal, and then Gortat was like, you know, sometimes you just see that big body. Yeah, and a big body is good enough to like get the and
1: yeah, yeah, rebounds. And that was Gortat. I don't know what the definitive rankings are or who's putting those together about players who the the greatest disparity between their two K selves and their real life self. But John Wall is undisputed number one. In two K, oh, yeah. he in two K he was like a combination of like Pete Maravich and and and. Uh, Steph Curry, or something, because you could not stop him. Um, And in real life, he was, of course, just himself.
0: You know, when I think it's
1: in those early
0: games with Wall, it was kind of like when Mike Vick got introduced in Madden 04 and they didn't know how to handle his speed. Yep. Wall was too fast, like, because he was just way faster than anyone else in the game. And you couldn't stay, you couldn't, like, you know, you're holding your L trigger, trying to stay with him on defense and.
1: Who's the fastest him. guy in the league right now? Is it Fox or is there other guy? Like I don't feel like we talk enough about like the end-to-end speed the way we used to. It's Fox. It's Fox. Fox. I mean, I'm, I'm sure, sure there's, there's some guy who can Maxi is, faster, yeah. but faster. Maxie's very fast, right? Yeah. Yeah, Maxie's fast too. I'm just trying to look at the rosters. I'm like, I feel like we don't really think about end-to-end. Maybe because the wall proved that that wasn't really like the best trade to have, but... I don't know, like guys are so much more methodical. I mean, all these dudes go to the same trainer and they learn the same like isolation moves and all this stuff. So people are playing a different brand. It's just weird. Um Yeah, everything's gotten more herky jerky and kind of um, like once Embiid started showing up like looking like Kobe slash Durant, it was like, okay, something <laughs> is up with the way guys. These guys are just too good.
0: I mean, Trey's fast, but not on your like st- straight line yeah speed. not in,
1: he's more um shifty I feel like his shifty. like hesitation is crazy um I mean, okay I'm sure there's
0: some random guy like a uh, I don't know
1: yeah I was thinking more stars because like Westbrook and wall and Rose maybe jaw but I don't think Ja is as fast I think he's just more of like the af- athlete like vertical
0: quick twitch and yeah.
1: yeah fox then it's definitely fox he like yeah. top end speed he is he's blazing blazing yep. And he learned what far, uh, Wall never could, which is how to control it and then oh. also how to stop so that you're like, you're that's his you're, biggest, you're asset. recentered. You're like, not like flying towards the rim. Yep. Wall was like uh, Luis Mendoza from Mighty Ducks, too. They should have <laughs> set up the Coke cans in front of the goal to try to get him to, to stop. <laughs> to stop. <laughs> All right. So the Knicks played the Mavericks on Thursday, which is probably the second biggest team to talk about at the trade deadline. You want to talk about a team that is pushing their chips in the middle with a pair of eights? I think that's Dallas Mavericks. Um, That's a great great way to
0: describe it.
1: They traded a first for Gafford, which they only created by offering another swap to OKC or something. Then they traded their own first uh, to Charlotte for P.J. Washington. Grant Williams left because he was their big summer acquisition. Rashawn Holmes, more of a salary match. Seth Curry and they basically have, like, nothing left in terms of first-round picks, uh, either their own or swapped all out, all the way through 2030. Um, I think they'll get one more this summer, but as of right now, I don't think they actually had control of their picks for the next six years. So. Luca is Luca, and he's having another historic season. Kyrie has been really, really good when he plays. His issue has been on the court, he can't stay healthy, versus like all the off-the-court stuff he usually puts us through. So he's been a good citizen. Now you add P.J. Washington, you add Daniel Gafford, and, I don't know, Josh Green is probably that fifth starter. Maybe Derek Jones, depends on what they do, but this team is still in the play and mix and they don't really have a way to get out of it beyond jockeying with the Kings, the Pelicans and the Suns, all of whom don't necessarily seem to be worse than the Mavericks at least. Right. I would say the Suns and Pelicans are definitely better. The Kings are probably a little bit better. So what'd you make of all this? And I guess the big backdrop of everything is like, what is Luca going to do in two years when his contract's up?
0: If I had to grade it, I'd give him a firm C. I, I love P.J. Wa- I wanted me some P.J. Washington. Yeah. Gafford, I'm sure you've got your thoughts on Gafford. He's a great player that seemingly would fit perfectly with Luka. Yeah. Um, as that lob threat. But, you know, you said it. Like, if I think about the Knicks and the Mavericks, like you just talked about, the Knicks literally made all these moves while preserving that future flexibility with their picks. Mm-hmm. And Dallas has gone all in on this roster with not many moves to make the next couple of years and a roster that's a playing team, and it's it's kind of like with the Lakers too. Lakers have had a healthy LeBron in AD and they're still in this position. You have to realistically look at that and think that this team needs to make bigger swings. A healthy Luca, a healthy Kyrie, and you're still in the playing mix. None of these moves on the fringes are gonna put them where they need to be. So and because Grant, like you know, Grant Williams uh did not work out, sure. PJ Washington will replace that, but you'd hope that you know you get a guy like Grant Williams last offseason, and then you add another piece, and you're building a kind of formidable lineup, yep. plenty of wings. But they're just swapping guys out and using picks now to make up for these previous mistakes. So I I'm not a huge fan, and and you know Luca, I don't know what his thoughts are, um, but. I also don't know what Dallas does. The reason I, I'm not going with like a worse grade than C is like, what else can you do if you're Dallas? Like, you've tried every pairing with Luca at this point, and it's getting hard to figure out what are the right guys to put around him. You've already went in on his second. You know, Kyrie's your second star. That's already been decided. Everything else now is on the fringes, and I feel like yeah. they're just grasping and
1: getting well. Win. A lot of people are talking about this being reminiscent of the LeBron era one in Cleveland where they add the Larry Hughes, the Ben Wallace's, the Antoine Jameson's, the shacks you know, that whole motley crew of like supporting cast to try to get LeBron help, but they were never patient about it. Right. So they always cashed in assets for like the five out of 10 guy versus the seven, or eight out of 10 or eight out of 10. The challenge with Luca. And I mentioned this is like LeBron was more singular of a domination force the league was weaker like let's just be yep. real the league was definitely weaker in the late 2000s the east was definitely weaker and so him as an individual entity could carry a pretty bad Cle- cleveland team to 50 plus wins 60 plus wins some years to the finals one year that doesn't work anymore and so i think it, you know lebron is a better player than luka cuz especially <laughs> defensively he could impact the game but i don't know what they're doing because they've tried porzingis you know they tried um they had like Brunson. He, he walked obviously famously, they now Kyrie PJ Washington. And like, I think it's better than sitting back and waiting for like the 27th pick to like try to, to hit, right. It's most likely that player will never matter to Lucas era. You know, they, they thought they were smart last year where they missed the plan to go get Derek Lively, who's been an impact player. So fundamentally team building wise, I think the team is better, but it feels like at what cost, you know, like, It's a lot riding, not just on Lucas staying and being happy, but like injuries. Look at Memphis this year. Memphis finished second in the West the last two years. Ja gets suspended. Then he goes down for the year. Suddenly they might be picking bottom five. And and they'll be back, right? It's not like they're owing a bunch of picks outstanding where it's a huge issue. But that one year, if that happens to the Mavs, like they could be giving up. And this draft sucks. Like what if they're giving up the number two pick in like a random really good draft, right? And so you just never know. And like it's a lot of – liabilities to have on the balance sheet, essentially. And I just... I don't know what the ceiling is because if I look at the West, they're not better than the top four, for sure. And they're not better than Phoenix, for sure, who, who has been guns blazing and added Royce O'Neal, by the way, who I, I don't even think that deal's getting talked about enough. That was a really good trade for them. Uh, David Roddy, I don't think they're better than Phoenix. And then you're putting them in the Pelicans-Kings group. Okay, maybe... They they went out of that and maybe they're the sixth seed, but most likely they're in this playing mix and then it's starting to be like, okay, how did we really improve this team to go give up the assets that we did? And I just they had to do something, but you know it, it just leaves me wanting that they're panic moving guys versus like moving the right guys. And and part of this, like we talked about two weeks ago, I think, is that I don't know what the right guys around Luca is at this stage of his career.
0: No one knows, and it's uh, we're still figuring that out. But I think this team just needs—they need just a um, a refresh, right? Like this. A lot of this roster, funny enough, is this guys from four years ago, five years. Like Hardaway, Klima, Dwight Powell. Part of me thinks they just need to kind of scrap it all and rebuild this team completely. And that's risky because you've got Luca and. To do that realistically, you might have one down year, and you can't yeah. afford that, Luca. But there are too many guys on this team that the, the makeup of this team looks too similar. As a team that was there, have been it's been essentially four years of the same core, right, right. Um, even if a lot of those guys are role players and don't get that many minutes anymore, like I, I just think this team needs a bigger shakeup because clearly, while they made that run to the Western Conference Finals uh, against the Warriors, they've had some good postseason relatively good postseason success this 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 is not going to work and you look at the standings like you said the playing team is most likely because there's a possibility yeah they can jump new orleans and sacramento to get in that sixth spot but realistically they're going to be a playing team and that's just to make all to give up all these first round picks and still be in the play-in after two years ago you were in the western conference
1: finals right yeah well and the problem is, the problem that I see is that like, you can't, you have to do that really artfully, right? Because how are you going to rebuild or retool on the fly without potentially risking a terrible season? And you don't have many to waste. Like Luka in his career, for all we talk about it, he's had two playoff exits, round one, two seasons missed playoff. And then he had the conference finals. And this season, what do you, re- do we really think uh, Dallas is going to win a round? I don't. Maybe they will because he goes absolute hero mode like we've seen in the past, but at most they'll win one round. Yep. There's absolute ceiling as the second round, I think. Cause if they play a Clippers team, if they play the Nuggets, play the Suns, maybe if they catch like a Timberwolves or like a young OKC team who's still kind of figuring it out, there's an avenue. But man, that's banking on a lot. Um I don't know what they do, because like again, like they got better, but it's not just about getting better. It's about asset accumulation and being smart about how you play the cards. Because right now, if this doesn't work, it's kind of like Milwaukee, right? At least Milwaukee's won a title. And when they did go all in, they added Dame, who's like a great player. Milwaukee has nothing else to move, which is why the big thing that they did to fix the roster was freaking trading campaign for Pat Beverly. But they have one in the bag. So the pressure is a little different. But if you look at Milwaukee going forward, you'd kind of be really worried about their future, given the age of the guys around Giannis and the fact they have no assets to get better and so I think Dallas is in a similar situation and they're kind of just hoping he plays 45 minutes a night and goes absolute hero mode all the time and never has like a stretch of off games and that's unrealistic yeah
0: it's too much to ask at this point and and you I mean he's putting in a season for the Bucks, right like what he's averaged 33 this season 35 I think 35, now he's up to five like right? a 70 point game dignity. jumped it up um, so I don't know, like you can't tap out of this. Like this is prime Luca. This is LeBron in 2010, 2011, getting close to the prime. Right. Um, you can't expect him to keep carrying you. So,
1: Yep. yeah, absolutely. So it's going to be interesting to see. Um, okay. So let's bounce around. There's a few other, like, again, there was not many big trades that were made, but, um, I thought a couple other deals that stood out Gordon Hayward to OKC, um, love that. Everyone's loving that. It. I'm a little more lukewarm. I think he's a good player, and it was not an expensive price, good fit. But I, I guess this just a lazy take. But I'm just like, is this guy ever healthy? Like, is he gonna ever stay healthy? I know he's, you know, he's only played 25 games this season. So, like, at what point have we stopped counting on Gordon Hayward to be available? Yeah, but why I love
0: it is because it's so low risk. I mean, I think my stance on OKC was always just get into the. Po- You're so good already. Don't disrupt things too much. See what you can do in the postseason, and then reevaluate. You've got the war chest of picks. You've got all the assets. This is enough of a move on the fringes that theoretically, Gordon Hayward, if he's healthy, he can be a very valuable contributor, fit seamlessly into what they're doing, and he costs nothing. So it's worth that shot because what if you are good enough this year to get to the finals? You need to make – they needed at least one more piece to help elevate that ceiling – and the idea of Gordon Hayward is always better than what he actually turns out to be given the injury history and for sure, et cetera. But yeah.
1: Well, let me ask you, because you were on record saying they have absolutely no shot of making the finals a few weeks ago, a few months ago, when we talked about this, has anything changed in what you've seen in the West or what you've seen with this team to make you rethink? Or is it just like, look, if crazy shit happens and they get there, like they should, you know, they, they should go for it at least a little bit.
0: I mean, I don't think they're a shoo-in. I think it's possible. Um,
1: What's changed is that they've
0: stayed consistent, right? This isn't like a... We're two-thirds of the season in, and they're pretty much half a game back from the one seed. Mm -hmm. If you asked me 20 games ago, I thought they'd fall off a little bit. They haven't. Um, SGA has not fallen off, and he's that number one star. And they... So I, I think it's possible. Now, I don't think that means that they're not in the position of a Nuggets or a Celtics, but they're close enough that getting a guy like Gordon Hayward's worth it given the price. And then in the off season you make the big swings to see where you need to get better.
1: Mhm. Okay. Yeah, I kind of wanted them to do a little bit more than Gordon Hayward, but maybe I'm being impatient. Um like Orlando for example is a team that if they didn't do something I think that's okay. But OKC is like free like top in the seed in the West or will be competing for a top seed in the West clearly has, like you said, sustained this all year long. So is there an opportunity to be more aggressive knowing you have all these picks, you have some salaries. Again, you don't probably have to even touch your main core. If you consider the main core is SGA, Chet, Jalen Williams, I think you could have added even more of an impact guy around that while keeping them, probably keeping either Dort or Giddy, one of two and gone for it in a more meaningful way. Now, who is that player? I don't exactly know. Like if they had traded for DeMar DeRozan, would that have changed their future more than Gordon Hayward? Probably not. But that would have been a piece that would have made me a little bit more interested, I guess. To get who? Gord, uh, DeMar DeRozan. Oh, DeMar DeRozan. Yeah. See, like that's
0: such a big swing. Like it's not about the – they've got the assets. The problem is if you change too many variables without even knowing what one set of variables does, right? It's like a science experiment. Yeah. Then you don't know. Like it makes it harder to figure out. Like let's say they get DeRozan they flame out in the second round. Now it gets way more tricky in terms of team building. If if you go with the same core flame out in the second round, then you make the decision whether you need to go after a guy like DeRozan or not. And guess what? You can outbid anyone. So it, right. it's not yeah. even a matter of, you know, Oh no, that you're going to miss out on an opportunity because you will always have the best kind of bidding uh, price. Yeah. So to me, I think see what the course of this team really is, where they get, run into issues in the playoffs is it their big depth is it you know the shooting falls off is it that jalen williams all of a sudden is not a great secondary player in in that postseason figure that out and then make the decision
1: fair yeah i mean look it's still all very early they still don't have to pay these guys for a couple more years they actually have a decent amount of uh, runway uh before they have to do anything so that's that's very enticing um Okay, so let's quickly talk here. Any other big trades you want to hit on? We have Heel to Philly, like I said, Royce O'Neill to Phoenix. Um, others that I missed that should be covered: Pat Bev to to Milwaukee. Um,
0: no, Heel to Phoenix, interesting. But sorry, Buddy Heald, I mean, sorry to Philly, yeah. but you know, knowing Buddy Heel, he's that first year you're going to be in love with him, but he becomes unplayable. And it'll be interesting to see in the postseason because defensively, he is a liability. He can't play make. He's just a pure shooter. And those guys we've seen in the postseason can get kind of run off the floor. We're not going to know this year because Philly's not really... I don't think they're serious this year given the Embiid injury. Um, So that one's interesting. Other than that, I don't know. I I mean, Monty Morris went to the Timberwolves. Um, But I think... Everyone thinks of Avanti Morris from back in his Denver days, and I don't know if he's still that player, but yeah. could be a nice pickup, right, for some guard depth. Um, I don't think he's Having
1: seen him in uh, D.C. last year, I think he's lost a step. I mean, he's efficient, and he doesn't make mistakes, which I guess for what they want to do is probably enough. Yeah. But, you know. You know, he's back up to Mike Conley, so it's probably fine. I was more interested by the inaction. There's several teams that were thought like maybe they could do something. Either you'd be a seller like Brooklyn or Chicago, or you'd be a buyer to kinda of go for it. Sacramento, you mentioned. The Lakers, Warriors, um, maybe even the Celtics. They you know, they added I think some some guy, I forget his name, but what what were you most surprised by, or which team were you most surprised by? Like Denver, uh, you you know they didn't do something where you either thought they should, or you know they could have you you know they could have actually changed their future by by making a move.
0: So one team I wasn't really surprised, but I I actually think the Warriors should have done something. Now let me let me tell you why. I they've got something in Kaminga. Mm-hmm. Great, keep him. I don't think they should part with him. You need to preserve the future. But if you're so hell-bent, they are hell-bent on going down with Steph and making building teams around Steph and yep. sending them off with happy, right? I think any Warriors fan would want to keep Steph happy. Um, I think they're tied to Draymond at this point and Klay to a certain extent, but maybe not. I, To me, if they believe in Kaminga, if they believe in Steph, like, go for it. Like, make a big swing and try to get this team out of the play Like, don't assume that... Just because Kuminga's become a better player and Chris Paul and, uh, what's his name, Gary Payton come back, you're going to be all of a sudden still contending. Like, this team needed a massive boost. Why are they operating in this weird play-in mix? If you're not going to blow it up, go the other way. So does that mean trading Clay? I know they don't want to do that. Does that mean trading Dre? They don't want to do that. But I think they should have at least made some moves to shore up the roster if they're serious about contending with Steph in his twilight years.
1: Yeah, because they are playing better of late, but then they're a week removed from having lost a game where Steph scored 60. So it it still feels like it's like this isn't a real team at this point, right? Like the West is so loaded. I guess the question is without moving Kaminga, which at this point, would you really move him with how well he's playing? He's finally kind of unlocked something post haircut. He's been absolutely insane. Like you can't get a guy that's changing your fortunes unless he's in the deal. And I'm not sh- like freaking. Um, the Bulls were asking for Kaminga for Caruso. You're not going to do that if you're Golden State. Yeah. So what are you really
0: trying sure. to do? So, but but here, yeah, here's my. Pro- so I, that's totally fine. But here's my problem: if you're not going to give up Kaminga, but then you also don't want to give up Dre and Clay because of the sentimental value and their stuffed guys, then you're not trading anyone. And then, like you said, like you're getting lulled into this false sense of confidence that oh because they have had a recent streak of a couple good games and you're getting some guys back this team's going to be any different but mm-hmm. and if they're fine with just play-ins with Steph for the next couple years that's fine but I think given how good Steph is I think they owe it to him to be a little bit more aggressive but
1: I was pretty surprised I will say that um like Bruce Brown is a guy I thought maybe could be moved and maybe they would be a good option for him. Like that could have been something. Like I'm surprised they didn't add anybody who could help. Like Wiggins is probably at the point where his contract needs to have a pick at least one attached to it to move off of it. Um, so they couldn't really do anything with him. But you know there's probably more to be done. They just said fuck it. Let's just see what happens here. And and maybe that we'll see if that actually ends up hurting them. Yeah. Um, for me, I think the team was was not the Lakers. I thought the Lakers had nothing to do, and LeBron can tweet all the hourglass emojis he wants. I just don't think there's anything they can realistically do. You know, the entire roster except like three guys has, has transitioned since last December. So no. at this point, it's like, what else can we keep reshuffling the deck? I'll pick a seller. I was really surprised and continue to be befuddled. Everyone's talking about the Bulls. I think that's true. What are the Nets doing? <laughs> like they have – they traded Royce O'Neal for three seconds, but they kept Dorian Finney-Smith. Yes, they traded Spencer Dinwiddie for Dennis Schroder. So I guess they did a little bit, but they have Cam Johnson. They have Nick Claxton. You know, They have Mikael Bridges, Cam Thomas. They have all these dudes. They suck. They lose almost every night. And their pick is going to Houston, so they don't want to be too bad. But is there a way to rebuild and try to get some hmm. assets back? without really changing how bad you are cuz they lose all the time anyway. So what does it really matter if you move off of Dorian Finney-Smith? Was he going to win you a couple games that they're you're now going to lose? No, probably not. So why not go trade him for first and a young player or whatever it is? And there's teams that are definitely interested. So that's one to me and then you know Washington we talked about a little bit which is why sit on these guys when you know that they're again not part of your future and certainly not helping you play better as a team.
0: Yeah, Washington I get uh, to a certain extent i get right you're not getting off pool uh, his value is cratered yeah it's yeah uh, there's no chance kuzma they had a hard asking price or at least the reports were you know they're setting it first at two first rounders and, right um and there's no rush if you don't get a deal you like whatever like kuzma's value theoretically should not change until the offseason um he's still long term contract locked up so you can always try again in the offseason the Nets, you're right they're aimless a bit aimless right now um and look a year ago fine maybe a team of all these long wings with mikhail bridges blossoming can work i think we've learned that this is not this lineup's not going anywhere and they they're missing out right they had an opportunity to trade dorian finney smith earlier i think they're falling in love with the cam thomas ups and downs and, and cam thomas realistically like i don't know how Critical of a player he is on a winning team. Like I think you get wowed by some of the big scoring nights, but
1: yeah. So um, yeah, maybe there's just no value for these guys. I mean, that's the other thing you remember. Like, just because they're putting up numbers, if the team's bad, everyone sees that they're bad. Uh, which is also why like Kuzma generating two firsts was probably not happening when people are like, guys, like we can see that yeah, he scores 23 and then you lose by 23 every night. So, yeah. what's that mean? Um by the way, I love yeah. Zach Levine hearing the Pistons rumors floated out. He's like, nope, uh, foot surgery incoming.
0: But I mean, I, yeah. What is Zach Levine's incentive with that though? To Uh, get
1: surgery? No, no, I'm sure he was actually hurt, but you know, it's like some of these things where it's like, I may need surgery, but I probably could get it in the off season. I'll play through the pain. And if it's going to save me a trip to Detroit, then yeah. And now he won't get traded there at least till the summer. Um, Detroit's another, just, we talked about it from the Knicks side, but they're another, like, what in the world are you thinking right now with their their way they've managed those assets, including Boyan. Um, they just cut Killian Hayes, who started on Wednesday night. Yeah. Just outright cut him. And, um, you know, they cut Joe Harris, who was like this big pickup they were going to use to fill their cap space. And Jalen Dern's amazing. He's yeah, been the- man possessed, but like, I don't know. Like the, Ivy, the Cade, funny, and Dern, I guess, make you feel okay. The funny thing is Detroit um,
0: could be in a much better situation. They've mismanaged a lot of their roster, but they still have a lot to feel good about. Ivy has come on strong mm-hmm. the last several weeks. You said Jalen Durin has been amazing. Cade, like, he showed flashes of being a really good player earlier this year. Um, so at least if you're Detroit, like now you feel better about yourself. Like, yeah, historically poor season, but there's assets that you can kind of lean on moving forward. For sure. Um, I, Yeah, the other team, I think it's the Kings. I, I think the Kings, and, and no Kings fan wanted a big swing. We wanted to move on the fringes. We wanted yeah. to use our second rounders like other teams have and make a move on the fringes because they're in the danger of falling into the play-in mix. And this is a team that'll get rocked in the play-in. They're not built to go one on one against the Lakers in a playing game. They're not built for these do or die situations. They just don't have the size. They have too many defensive liabilities or um, liabilities on offense as well. Like so to me, every King's fan is pissed. Like when I say pissed, like massively pissed that we didn't even make a move on the fringes we stood right, at. It. And, right. um, so yeah, that's that's the last team I was kind of disappointed about with the inaction.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, the Kings are—they just came off fresh off the All Star snubs, which we didn't get to talk about. That was frustrating. They have a really big game, by the way, in Denver tonight, which I'm sure. Are you going to appointment viewing for you? You cancel? Oh yeah. any, You cancel any plans? Yeah, I'm uh,
0: trying to watch it, but it's one of those games where I could get very frustrated first, second quarter, and it just—you know—the the Kings are team. You know, you know whether it's going to be a good game in like the first quarter. Yeah, like they'll either go down fifteen and it's done, or they go up and and they they play well. But it is
1: appointment viewing for me. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, that's the trade. Deadline. Any any last trade deadline thoughts? No. Um, trying to think if there's no. any other big moves that we did not or forgot to cover, and I can't come up with anything.
0: No, I mean, you know, going back to the early, you know, looking back at the earlier moves, OG Ananobi, obviously, we talked about worked out well. Pascal Siakam, um, you know, it's kind of interesting. Indiana's not been that much better defensively. Uh, and, you know, they've struggled with because, or not struggled, they've still been very good. But Halliburton has been the 20 minutes. He's just is trying to get to He's the doing the All-NBA stuff,
1: which is just, it's hurting the team. And in fact, he's going to play his way out of All-NBA because his numbers are going to tank. Um, yeah,
0: and, and just one thing, if it let's say it flames out this year for whatever reason, and if Siakam walks, I don't know. Like, I don't think it's going to happen. All indications are he's going to re-sign, but you never know, man. I mean, if you remember 2019 Kawhi, everyone thought like, oh, you know, now they're winning, they're playing well, they won a title, he'll re-sign there, and it didn't happen. It doesn't um, work
1: that way. And I so, still... And, yeah, I still think yeah. he'll stay just because he's like, I don't know. I think he'll stay, but like, it's it's not been like this roaring success, but that we got to see them with the full complement as well. Yeah,
0: you got to see him with a healthy Halliburton and see what it looks like in the playoffs. But I, I'm just bringing that up because it was three first round picks. Like, all these moves in the trade deadline were small. That
1: was the most
0: massive one. That was the right? biggest one. Yeah, deal, by far. So. By far.
1: Um, okay, before we go, Super Bowl pick. We got Super Bowl Sunday in two days. Uh, Niners, I think, are one and a half point favorites right now. Who do you like? I, I'm i at the point where um, I
0: can't bet against Mahomes. Uh, I actually like the Niners, but I'm not... It, it's so close that if it's that close, I'm going to go with the the better quarterback. Uh, I've learned too much from Brady over the years. Um,
1: yeah, I'm taking the Chiefs as well, but it's not only because of that. Like Everyone's like, oh, the Niners have a much better team. It's like Mahomes though is Mahomes, but like the Chiefs' defense is incredible. Like, if you had to pick one of the two defenses that's playing better right now, wouldn't you say that it's um it's yep. it's the Chiefs after what we saw versus Green Bay and versus Detroit? They got through those games and they tightened up in the second half, but they clearly had some holes there, right? Um So that's one thing. And then like, yes, you know, Niners have the better running back, but Pacheco's Pacheco's held a back as well, and they have the better receiving core, which could be big. But between Rasheed Rice and Kelsey and Mahomes Magic, it feels like enough. I'm taking Kansas City as well. I'm going to go 20, 26 to 21, Kansas City. I think they I'm are going to drive 20. and get some field goals. 23-20, Kansas
0: 23-20. City. 23-20. Yeah. Um, I will say this. This was the one outcome I did not want. And, and you know, being an SF, obviously Niners, I got a lot of friends who are Niner fans, but... Like these I saw this in 2020 with the Chiefs Super Bowl. You have this big Super Bowl party with all your friends, a lot of Niner fans, and it just gets tense. It's like not even fun, right? It's kind of fun when the two teams are like if it was Ravens, Lions, everyone's just hanging out. It's a party. We're eating, we're watching the game. But like the whole party gets very tense and nervous that the Niners are not doing well. And it's like ah, that energy is not fun. And the Chiefs being there again, like I would have loved Lamar. I wanted First Buffalo
1: thing. so badly. I wanted Josh Allen. Or, or Josh Allen. Yeah, Buffalo, Josh so Allen, fresh yeah. blood.
0: Like, this is, like, the worst outcome uh, we could have had. But
1: Yeah, Lamar. I like Lamar, but the Ravens being, like, the better brother in the D.C. area is kind of oh, tough. yeah. And they've already won one. The Niners, interestingly, as successful as a franchise that they are, they haven't won in almost 30 years, right? They won in 94. Yeah. They made it in 2013. They made it again in 2020. So they're... They're kind of starving for a win with how good this team's been. Um, And Purdy, the Purdy discourse really quickly is just so funny because he's like legitimately like a good guy. He didn't ask to go number, you know, Mister Irrelevant. The fact that he's come in and played this well, it's so bizarre to me how 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 critical people are of him. Yes, like he's not like the top five quarterback in the league. But if you watch him and you watch some of the throws Dak makes, who makes forty five million dollars a year, it's not like Brock Purdy is some like order of magnitude worse than Dak or Worse than like you know, Matt Stafford or some of these guys, like, yeah, he doesn't quite have that arm talent, he's playing with a loaded team. But guess what? His numbers are good, he mostly makes the right play, and he you know, he'll make mistakes. But which non like elite quarterback doesn't?
0: Yeah, there's a weird discourse, but part of it is brought on by the fact that there is a pocket of the internet and the Twitter sphere and the um, Steven Ruiz's of the world, or not actually, Stephen Ruiz hates him, but. There's a pocket that thinks he's an MVP candidate, that he's really good. Um, yeah, no one can have like a normal take on Purdy. It has to be either he sucks, and it's a system quarterback, or hey, he's really good he's a top 10 guy everyone's sleeping on him so
1: well i'm you know and the, and the commanders have the number two pick right and we're sort of probably going to take quarterback as my guess and rumored to maybe be interested in trading up to one to take caleb and i was like you just have to have the quarterback and i'm thinking more and more that like yes that's true and i want a quarterback because i don't think sam hell is good enough but we're now moving into the next era i think of team building where it's really around get a guy who's good enough and load up everywhere else Because you look at the Lions, like Goff was left for dead, you know, and he takes them to the conference championship. Like, obviously you have, uh, you know, you have this team. Look at the Browns, man. Flacco comes in for Watson, who's their $230 million quarterback, and is able to, like, actually have success. Like, it feels like we're we're learning that it's not just get a star quarterback and everything else works itself out.
0: I agree, but here's what I disagree. I feel like... That thought has been around for a while. It's like, hey, you need a quarterback. Um, I mean, build on the trenches, build on the lines, get skilled players, and you get a good enough quarterback. But I think the reality is Purdy's not just a game... Purdy actually isn't a game manager. He's actually a pretty good quarterback. So it's not easy, even though he was the last pick in the draft, it's not easy for teams to find even a good enough quarterback to carry a loaded roster. Anywhere in the draft. So right. you might as well go for the big swings and hope they pan out then. That's true. Assuming that you can just pick one of the fifth round and he can carry you. Right. Like I That's think true. Purdy is such a unique situation. Um, But, but yeah, no, I mean, you, you're right though. Like the Niners, they, I mean, they got lucky. They, Trey Lance flamed out and they kind of lucked into Purdy being good. Right. Cause if, it's let's say insane. Purdy was not. dude, what It's, would, an, it's, it's an insane. What if, honestly. Yeah, like they give up everything for Lance, and then all of a sudden Shanahan
1: is getting run out of town. So, Oh, for sure. For if they them, hadn't but... found Purdy, like he would have been toast because they did mortgage the farm for Lance and still don't even know if Lance is good or not because he just basically never plays, but he didn't even beat out Sam Darnold for the backup job, so maybe that tells you what you need to know. But... Yeah, and, and the last thing, like as a Commanders fan, right, like you guys had Sam Howell last year, and Sam Howell... Seemed like, hey, he's good enough. He can be good. He can maybe... Something happened with him, though. The first, like, 10 weeks, I was like, yeah, he's the guy. Like, we found a guy in the fifth round. This is a goldmine for us. Something happened the last, like, two months of the season where he turned into, like, the worst football player I've ever seen. And and, and it's not just the team was bad because Jacoby Brissett was coming in and they were immediately playing better. I don't know what happened. So I'll leave it up to the new brain trust to decide what to do, but it feels like we're definitely going quarterback. Like it just you you saw those last I don't know some last six seven games and you're just like my God we got to move on. Yeah, he he was bad, but but my point is I think a lot of these guys
0: exp- get exposed. It's hard Eventually, to find a consistently yeah. good like Josh Freeman had two good years and then
1: went to shit right. So well that'll be the fun thing with Purdy because he had the bad elbow injury came back. Was ready for week one and then had a great season. Um, and so he's back right where I think they would have been. I think they may have been even beaten Philly last year if he hadn't gotten hurt in the yeah. conference championship. Very game. possible.
0: So. Yeah, they were really good last year. So
1: we'll see. It'll be interesting. All right, looking forward to a fun game, Super Bowl 58, First one in Vegas. Uh, should be should make for an interesting weekend of parties and stories. And I'll just be on my couch, uh, petting my dog and watching <laughs> basketball because that's what it is for me now. So anyway. That's a wrap for us. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Thick and Thin Hoops on all major podcast platforms. Please follow us on social media. We will talk to you next week.